0: Welcome to the Houston Chronicles Sports Podcast. We're covering the Texans here. Brooks Cabina here with Jonathan M. Alexander. The Texans broke their nine-game losing streak against the Titans in sub-freezing weather in Nashville. It took an hour delay, but they got on the field and came back to beat the Titans. Davis Mills throwing a game-winning go-ahead touchdown pass to Brand Cooks. And now the losing streak is over. A Christmas Eve miracle for the Texans and we're sitting here um, after this, and now there are two games left on the season. The Texans, funny enough, are 2-1-1 one, one in the AFC South. Both of their wins this year have been on the road against the AFC team. Lovie Smith is intent on winning the division. Uh, but the Texans still hold the number one overall pick, but that lead has shortened to a half a game. So now we enter an interesting situation, Jonathan, where the Texans – really don't have much leeway anymore to win a game and possibly lose their grip on the number one pick to, say, Chicago or other teams within reach. So other news that came out earlier in the week, Nathaniel Hackett with the Denver Broncos, he got fired. So there is another head coaching vacancy there. So a lot going on as we're getting to the back half of the season, the last two games of the season. But to just first off, break down this win for the Texans, what surprised you about this, if at all? And uh, what, what did you make of the Texans' win against the Titans?
1: I think what surprised me, uh, they were finally able to finish the game. Particularly the last two games, the, against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, you saw the Texans enter the game with a uh, fourth-quarter lead and then give it up. And, and when they had entered the, the uh, fourth quarter with the lead, uh, they had been outscored 66-3. to of course, they didn't enter the fourth quarter with lead this game. But, you know, still along the same lines, they were down in the fourth quarter at a point. They were down 14 to 10, and they had to figure out a way to come back. And what you saw was Jake Hansen forced the fumble of Derek Henry, which got things going and, and seemed to gather some, some momentum for them. And then the offense had to do its job, and they had to go down the field and score. They only scored a field goal on that first uh, possession after the Jake Hansen fumble. Uh, but it got them within one point. And the moment, you can clearly see the momentum was on their side. They forced a three and out on their very next defensive drive. And then the offense again went downfield and scored a touchdown on Brandon Cook's Uh, Davis Mills to Brandon Cooks, and and they went downfield five plays, 73 yards. So I think that probably was surprising most that finally you saw the offense kind of, despite their struggles throughout most of that game, they were able to kind of get over that hump and and play their best football there in the fourth quarter. Um, We hadn't really seen that from them uh, this season. So what about you? The
0: finishing thing has always been kind of the constant way that they've talked about it, Lovey Smith particularly. I I was just surprised that that interception by Davis Mills, I mean, it was a deflection. He was pushing down the field and ended up um, getting picked off. That that wasn't the death blow that it's been the past couple of weeks. Now, the Texans were playing well against the Chiefs. They're playing well against the Cowboys. Both of those teams are postseason teams. The Titans, they're on the verge of losing this to the Jaguars. So that they were able to finish – Maybe not so surprising against a team that the tight, like the Titans, who entered the weekend with a, a, a four-game losing streak at that point, and now uh, playing with Malik Willis, who looked did not look very good. Um, the, the Texans have played Malik Willis twice now, and you know if there are any questions about Davis Mills at quarterback, the Texans. You know the Titans are now entering an off season where they have some extreme question marks at quarterback themselves. So, um, I mean. The thing that was interesting to me was that the Texans getting a chance to stop Derrick Henry outside of that 48-yard touchdown run. It was cold. It was extremely cold. <laughs> I was surprised that, you know, he. It, 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 it's funny that it comes becomes an expectation for a guy to dominate in the way that he does. But they were able to do
1: that the second half. You made note of that in your story. Is Lovey's defense starting to figure it out? I think they're getting better. Um, I, I think they've really, to be honest with you, I think they've been fairly solid all season. I think it, it was just a matter of of their run defense. And their run defense really still is bad, still worse in the league. Even if they hadn't dealt with the injuries, they'd still be in the bottom half of the worst teams against the run defense. So, yeah, I think they've always been good against uh, the pass. You know, and credit Lovey. With that, you know, they, they steadily made improvements against the running, and and against Derrick Henry, who's the second leading rusher in the league, uh, even though he finished with 123 yards rushing, which is not really something to be proud of, about, considering it was them stopping the run in the second half right. that was key to them winning. They only allowed Derrick Henry to have 43 rushing yards, and I think he averaged less than 4 yards per carry. And the turnovers. And the turnovers, too. That's what's weird about this team, is like I, it doesn't make sense
0: for it to work like this, but because like any, any kind of analytics part of this is saying, okay, well, you're giving up chunks of yardage at a very high rate over the course of the season to rely on turnovers and then to turn up pretty often. Like the past three weeks, they've been forcing turnovers and they've led to points. Yeah. They've kept the team together. So Lovey Smith, who is, that's one of his biggest pillars of his defense is to force turnovers. Somehow that's become something that this team has recently been able to rely on. I'm not sure how sustainable that is, but, If you're able to add pieces in the offseason, the draft, these wins towards the back half of the season, last two games of the year. Levy Smith's starting to build a bit of a case for retention. How strong do you think that is at this point?
1: I don't know if, if the case is super strong right now. If they were to win their next two games. Uh, I think it'll be a difficult decision, but as you can see around the league, which there not we aren't looking at the same situations. But as you can see around the league, teams are parting ways with uh, coaches like you mentioned, uh, Nathan- yeah. hack it. and they beat the Texans, and they beat the Texans, and they have more wins. They have four wins. Uh, I mean, the difference in that situation, which I've said all along. They had an embarrassing loss to the Rams. The Rams are a bad yeah. team, and they got it was awful, blown out. And they've had multiple games that they got blown out. Yeah, and, and the Texans haven't been embarrassed uh, except with the exception of the Dolphins game, I think, uh, and maybe one other game.
0: The first time they played the Titans, I know it was seventeen to ten, but that might as well have been yeah. a three score loss. That was that was really bad. And the Commanders game was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Giants game was bad for some large portions of it. No, they haven't been, like, just totally, totally blown out like that yet.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's why Lovey Smith still has a job. And and the defense is improving. He's often tried to point out the positives, and he's also pointed to the fact that they've had injuries, which is true. You know, a lot of their best players have been hurt for much of this season. But it's hard to, like, when Nick Casario, he's trying to rebuild uh, this franchise, um, the offense really hasn't done much, so it's it's really difficult for me to kind of look at this team and say, okay, I see the full direction this team is going going in. It, in some ways, what you've seen around the league it sometimes is sometimes it's better to um, you know start all the way over. And I'm not advocating that the Texans start all the way over, but I'm just saying that's probably that is likely one of the perspectives that. Nick Casario and and other G, uh, GMs around the league, you know, look at when they look at the end of the season. The Texans have only won two games. That is not going to cut it uh, in this league. And, and there have been times in games where they haven't even looked competent offensively. So I think right now a decision hasn't been made and a lot will be determined over these final two games.
0: You mentioned you mentioned that how other teams around the league are kind of going for a complete overhaul. The, when, when the Broncos are in this situation, they get just their ass handed to them by the Rams. I mean, it's it, that was just bad. And it's a totally different situation, right? So in the off season, they make a head coaching change and then they trade for Russell Wilson. You know, they traded two for first round picks, two second round picks and a fifth round pick and three players for this guy. And this is a totally different expectation for the Broncos who are expected to be in the playoff hunt right now. If not, push for a deep postseason run so like i get what you're saying too we're on the casario end is like well what are they building toward well are, are they starting to are they starting to show progress toward that there was no expectation from the texans to be good this year so we were sitting here a year ago and the texans had four wins that was an expectation that was about about right for the texans at that time considering the 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 roster as it was and going into this season I mean, considering the tough teams on their schedule, I mean, we, we thought they'd be around four or five wins. They've been below that, but competitive in a lot of these. Lovey really all he had to do was be competitive and not be an embarrassment. I and mean, You were just speaking to that earlier. They haven't really been blown out all that often this year, although I still feel like the Dolphins and Commanders showed that they weren't competitive at all, and the Titans too. I really would like to know what expectations Casario had based on what was given to the coaching staff available. If it's really a situation where they wanted to see, okay, how much progression is made given the circumstances, not maybe in terms of wins. I think it's a lot of what you just brought up about the offense. The offense was really bad going into this rotation between Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills has played really well. the past, Well, you know, played well, I won't say really well, the last three games, He's still been turning the ball over, and his completion percentage isn't up, but he's making those throws that he wasn't doing earlier in the season, throwing the ball downfield. And, and Pep Hamilton's been fairly creative given the players he has. That's, that's a scenario where you're starting to say, okay, well, maybe once they get John Mechie back, maybe once they add some other things, he might be able to get the offense going. So these last two games, I really think if they're able to win both of these, that puts Casario in a very tough spot. To go to Cal McNair and say, "Hey, I need twenty million, whatever it is, to go for another head coach." I would think that that would play more to full retention. Well, maybe not full retention, but at least Lovey Smith another year uh, than it would the other way around. But there's a definite part of this where you look at the AFC South and how that's part of what Lovey Smith is saying. If they're two, one and one, and this is a division right now where the Jaguars are leading it at seven and eight. Is that really something to be big on? I mean, it's what do you make of you know Lovey trying Lovey
1: making that a big deal? You know, from my perspective, and I was thinking about this. You know, I think he's trying to make a case for himself to stay for uh, his players to continue on with him. The ones who are on one-year countries, because they have decisions to make too in the offseason. Do they want to return or do they want to move on elsewhere? A few of them will be in for bigger paydays, so they likely will move on elsewhere. Of course, you know, having a winning record and saying that you are the better team in the division can go some way, uh, and it can say, okay, well, if, we, if we're if we able to beat these AFC South teams and maybe with, with more talent next year with a different quarterback, um, with uh, an additional top 10 pick, perhaps if the Browns continue in that trend, then we can get better and improve and, and, and win more games. So I think to me... It, like, when he says things like that, he sounds like a coach trying to advocate for himself, for the fan base who's listening, for Nick Casario who's listening, for Cal McNair and then ownership group that is listening. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's kind of what I, I take away from it. Does it do much in the grand scheme things? You know, when you win these games that don't matter in the end. You also hurt your chances at one of these top draft picks. So, Levy Simpson is going to win regardless. That's his most important. And I, I'm sure he doesn't know for sure whether he's coming back next year. So, you know, for him, he needs to win at all costs. So, you know, I just think that my takeaway is he's advocating for another year and, and he's looking for all the positives. He's been looking for the positives all year. You know that. And, uh, you know, we've discussed that. So, uh, I think this is just another case of Levy. You know, searching for the positive and trying to advocate for himself for another year because he, I think he deep down, truly believes this thing is happening in the right direction. Yeah.
0: When you look at how the Texans, especially under Casario these last couple of years, how they've managed this, this is a team that really does make a decision after everything is in. You don't do that normally unless you really have to or it's very clear that it's time to move on. Like the Broncos, they knew it's like okay. When you get completely trashed by the Rams and Baker Mayfield, who was on the Panthers a couple of weeks before, it's time. It's time to move on. You're four and eleven. Uh, you don't look like you know what you're doing, and you have Russell Wilson with all this capital invested into it. It's time to blow the thing up. The Texans, they haven't really been in a situation yet where it was so evident to blow this thing up entirely. So. I don't think that Casario has his mind made up yet. I do think the last two games are going to play into a more fuller evaluation of what he's built throughout the year. I do think that Davis Mills has kind of dug himself a hole in terms of turning the ball over, that it's going to be difficult to overcome, even with the past couple of games Uh, The Titans game, I mean, he fumbled going into the end zone. I asked Levy Smith whether that was forgivable, and he said it was more forgivable because Rex for Rex Burkhead, not for Davis Mills, that he was able to pick up the ball in the end zone. And Mills fumbled a couple of snaps that he was lucky that didn't go away. So even as he was pushing the ball down the field and getting a chance to put the Texans ahead, there were still things that I think whenever they buy into the whole season that they're going to think, okay, we need an upgrade at quarterback. So then that leads to who's going to coach him. And I think even with Pep's adjustments the last couple of weeks, the full body of work kind of shows that they need someone with a little bit more adaptability. So then we're going back to what we talked about last week. I feel like that's the most influential thing based on whether this whole entire coaching staff is remaining intact, because then you have to decide, okay, Nick Casario has a, a, a list of first round picks given from Deshaun Watson. So the that trade, so they have four first round picks next two years. Well, Sean Payton's out there looking for a job and he's obviously one of the better offensive minds. What's it going to take for, to bring him in? You're going to have to give up some draft capital to the Saints in order to get that done. Is this a job that is enticing to a, a Super Bowl winning coach who has all the leverage in the world to go anywhere? You look at teams that were more towards his name, like the Cowboys or other immediately competitive teams. I'm not sure that that would be in their range immediately. So then you're looking at who else can you add to the offensive staff. At the end of the year, that's when those kind of decisions get made. So these two games, as weird as it may sound, I think are influential. I don't think this regime has made its mind up yet, um, else they'd be making the move because. The Colts, the Broncos, all of them are now starting to get into the territory of uh, figuring out what they want to do.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was I was going to say the same exact thing. If if Nick Casario had made up his mind, he would have fired Levy Levy Smith he done uh, it after last the, week or the week yeah Coltons or the team. week before. So he he hasn't made up his mind. You know, even through talking with people in the in the organization, you know, they don't feel like it either. So I I, I agree one hundred percent. You brought up Sean Payton as far as like. This being an attractive job, I, I think it's an attractive job, and than more than a, the one than a Denver job for sure. When um, you look at the Colts job, it might be a little bit more of attractive than the Colts job. You know, simply because uh, you know the Texans have number one pick and a potential top ten pick. The Panthers are going to have potential job opening as well. Now that might have some being that they're close to the playoffs, that might have a little bit more attractiveness to it. But we won't know until the end of the season because the decision hasn't been made. Other teams have already fired their coaches, so they their Broncos are getting a head start and Colts can get a head start kinda of on on who they uh want. So I think that says it all really. Nick is still evaluating his options.
0: The other thing about Sean Payton is that when you talk about a big name like that, someone who has proven himself to every length possible in the NFL coaching world. I just don't know what his relationship with Casario would be like. Who's been pretty hands-on in terms of personnel, obviously personnel with Cully. I think he had to be definitely more hands-on because Cully had never been a head coach before. And Lovey Smith has been very autonomous in a lot of decisions he's made. So I would think that Peyton would probably, that would be one of his top questions would be how would, how would this relationship work? But, I mean, he's been linked to names like even though these jobs aren't available yet, but like the Chargers and who have kind of flatlined with uh being able to push into the postseason with Justin Herbert. And then the Cardinals right now. Um, I mean you'd be in a situation if Cliff Kingsbury were fired that you'd have, you know, guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray immediate weapons to work with. So that's going to be a tough one to secure. That would be a big fish to pull out of the water. If the, if Cal McNair were able to do that, and secure the number one overall pick, and bring in the quarterback of his choice, and Sean Payton, I mean, they'd have a wait list immediately. I, I just think that would that would be one of the biggest coups in NFL history in terms of head coaching. But that would be surprising to me. But we'll have a better idea of that towards the end of the year. You know, there are questions still remaining in terms of how this team is going to go forward. That'll be interesting to see. You know, they play the Jaguars. The Jaguars are obviously pushing for the playoffs. Do you think that the Texans here against the Colts, the Jaguars, have a chance to go 2-0 here? And, I mean, obviously that would affect their draft stock. Do you feel like that's possible for this team?
1: No, I don't. I mean, w- would I be surprised if it happened? No, but I don't think it's going to happen. And and I say this because, you know, some of the things we were talking about earlier in the in – the, Uh, In the show. And one thing you mentioned, you know, the Texans have been uh, forcing turnovers at a pretty high rate these last few games. And what you've seen is, I think they forced, uh, so they forced three turnovers this week, right? I think how many turnovers, I can't remember off the top of my head how many turnovers they forced last week. Um,
0: Every time they they forced three turnovers, they've won. So the only two times they've done it was against the Jaguars when they first won and then with the Titans Mm -hmm. just then. Okay, so they forced
1: two tur- three turnovers this week, two turnovers last week, and against the Cowboys.
0: Plus two in the turnover ratio. When they're plus two, they win. They've only done that
1: twice. So what does that say? Like they have to, Their offense is just so bad. They have to be extra good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I just don't think it's sustainable. I think the offense is so deficit of, of weapons. Nico Collins is out for a season. Damian Pierce, they're there is out for the season i think if the, defense, but that was the
0: case against the chiefs and the in the
1: and the cowboys that's what's yeah, weird but the defense was just so good well against the chiefs i don't know i think the chiefs played a really bad game the texans didn't give up many points they they got a lot better when it when they got pat when they got to the red zone into the uh you know past the 50-yard line so I don't know. I just don't see... I think the Jaguars are on a mission. To win. I think they're going to be highly motivated to try to wrap up this division. I think that the Texans will be the... Um, I, I think the Texans have a really good chance to beat the Colts. I think the Colts are just in a disarray. But I think they'll lose to the Jaguars. And I, I think the Jaguars, um, even though the Texans have had the advantage over them in recent weeks, I just think Trevor Lawrence is playing really well uh, right now. And, and, and I think the Jaguars are kind of on a roll. So I just, I just don't think... What they're doing is sustainable
0: defensively. Yeah, that's that's my take too. I think they lose to the Jaguars and beat the Colts. The Colts have lost seven of their last eight. I mean, so have the Texans, but I mean, the Colts just look disastrous. I mean, I just just the how that Cowboys game unraveled that made me think that the Texans were going to get killed, but they contended. The Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence has been really good. He hasn't thrown more than one interception the last seven games, I believe. I and mean, he's looking like the number one overall pick. He's really maturing. I think that game could be one of those that really helps Casario decide where, where the direction of this team is going. Because if they're very big on winning the division, that's the team that's starting to push forward into the forefront. So if that's someone that controls the dominance in a game like that, That can tell you a lot about the direction of this team. So the Colts, not so much. I mean, that's a team that's flailing, and they should be able to be competitive and at least win that one. So, And then that might put you in a scenario where the Bears have the number one overall pick. But uh, who knows? With Justin Fields, they probably don't take a quarterback, and the Texans might still be in range to do that. So so we'll see how that all works out. Yeah, I think they're
1: good if if the Bears end up with the number one pick and they end up with the number two pick. Uh, And I don't see the Bears trading that pick unless they can just get a crazy overhaul. So, yeah. But we'll see. It's happened. It's happened.
0: It's happened. So, plenty to go on. So, we appreciate you guys reading, following, and listening. And we'll catch you next week as we wrap up what happens with the Jaguars with two games to go.